This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the White Witch Podcast with me, Carly. Hope you are all well, witches. On today's show, we are talking all about shadow work, but we're kicking off with our book review on Good Juju, Mojo's Rights and Practices for the Magical Soul, written by Naja Lightfoot. So I don't know if you remember me saying a few episodes back how the libraries have reopened where I am. Anyway, I asked if they could pick me out some witchcraft books and they did not disappoint. One of the books they found for me was this one, along with Gabriella Hurstick's book Craft and Waking the Witch by Pam Grossman, the host of the Witch Wave podcast. Anyway, this book is a delight. Naja Lightfoot is an initiated member of a private voodoo society in New Orleans, but also a sister priestess of the Divine Feminine and an active member of the Denver Pagan community. So the book is a real mix of folk magic of hoodoo and pagan rituals. Naja is such a warm writer. After bringing lots of tricky, intense, hard to read, but valuable books to the podcast, this was such a nice read. I love the switch up in some of her practice. She gives you such great, simple, but effective ideas in relation to building a solid foundation for your practice, such as grounding, centering, calling in the directions, cleansing your space and sage cleansing. I loved the section on journaling and doing it as a spiritual practice, intuition, working with your dreams. It also delved into information on the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram, which is in the Kabbalah and many other mystical magical resources. So it's a ritual that they say takes a lifetime to master, even longer to understand. And it's used before casting a circle as it clears negativity and calls upon the archangels and elements as protectors. So some use it as a daily practice to connect with the divine and to protect themselves. The ritual includes Hebrew words and names of angels. It can also be adapted, but for me, I love when I find a witchcraft book and it has different content in. I do find a lot of the books can churn out the same over and over again. So she also talks about working with your higher power, setting up your altar. There's a self-blessing ritual that is a private ceremony held between you and your deity. The altar section is great. She goes on to how to create an ancestral altar cultural celebrations of death, how to hold a dumb supper for the dead. And I have a bit of a disclaimer because on the first episode I did, I did not give enough credit to the dumb supper. 
And I think that was just me being naive because this Samhain, I would definitely not rule out laying a place for one of my own ancestors. She also delves into an ancestor ritual, creating an altar for love, how to create a love honey jar, prosperity and abundance rituals, mojo bags, protective mojos, love mojos, and safe travel mojos. There's a really good section on protection magic, graveyard magic. I have an episode all about that if you haven't listened. One of my favorite parts of the book, because this is something I'm obsessed with, and I find magic in my own life is the section music and mojo. She talks all about having hoodoo like music playing when she's working on crafting a mojo. And she outlines all the types of music she listens to from Beyonce to Billie Holiday to Ella Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong to Nina Simone. There's nothing I love more than knowing what a witch listens to when she's writing or working on her craft. So please tell me what you like to listen to when you're working on your own craft, because this fascinates me. I am going to do a little witchy playlist for Spotify of everything I listen to when I'm writing about the craft or casting spells. If you fancy a listen, I will put something out soon and let you know. But I loved this book. It's a refreshing, warm, cozy read. I love that she highlights having fun in your craft. And I must admit, I've been bogged down in some good but heavy reading for a while. Definitely gave me some new rituals and ideas to try and a complete new, fresh insight into my craft. She's also a lovely, lovely lady and worth a follow on Instagram. I got really emotional recently reading a post she did where she put a tambourine up with a sign outside her house for people to shake for George Floyd. And one morning she was feeling a bit down. She could hear the tambourine being shaken like mad. And she came out to see a man and his two small children had been shaking it. It was just one of those faith in humanity restored stories. You can read in the book, she has a big, warm heart. I don't know, I just get those feels. There's a lot of love in those pages. Join me in part two where we talk all about shadow work. Welcome back. So one of the most important areas I came across within the craft was shadow work. When we did the recent episode on grimoires and book of shadows, I had just started to delve into shadow work. And honestly speaking, I think it has been one of the most important parts of healing for me. And again, it is an area I've only recently approached. One of the most powerful tasks I've ever completed as part of shadow work was writing out a list of every single event within my life that I've been unable to think about without it hurting, making me angry, upset, undervalued, embarrassed. You would think doing this sort of work would make the wound worse, and I did, and I was scared to delve into it. You may also have the same concerns, and just to reassure you, I delved into some seriously gritty events that include like physical and sexual abuse, drug and alcohol addiction, and issues around that such as shame, lack of boundaries, and low self-worth. 
I say that just the highlight, none of it was fluffy stuff. However, I feel like doing this shadow work has made me feel the most confident I've ever felt. Personally, despite my shady past, I don't regret anything. I don't like some of the things that happened or that I did, but if I hadn't, I would never be who I am now. And I think that's a good way for me to look at it. I also felt like it was becoming difficult for me to work towards calling in certain things in my life if I haven't healed in a number of areas because I just end up reliving the same lesson over and over again. So just to give you an example of the wounded witch and the awakened witch, this might help to see if you feel you would benefit from doing the work. So the wounded witch is afraid to speak her truth, lacks self-worth, tolerates toxic people, seeks external validation, people pleases, apologizes for who they are and has negative self-talk. An awakened witch is said to honor their truth, know their worth, set loving boundaries, feels validated from within, inspires others to shine, lives unapologetically, speaks gently to themselves. That's just an example. And of course, there are many takes on it. I still have issues in the wounded witch category that I'm working on. If I could give you one example of how I feel doing the work, I feel like I'm stepping into my power as a witch and it's helping me feel more connected to my craft and trusting in myself. I believe that had it not been for the pandemic, many of us wouldn't have gone inside of ourselves as much as we have. And many of us are still continuing this process. If you have the opportunity to have more time to yourself during the current world events, you may wish to utilize this time for shadow work before some sort of normality resumes. I also found that with the pandemic, I couldn't run away from myself either. So I had to sit with myself and so many of those uncomfortable feelings and events that were uncovered. You may already feel the call to isolate and heal. This comes in many different forms, such as wanting to cancel all your plans and just wrap yourself up in bed or on the couch for days. Maybe a new interest in consciousness, spirituality, meditation or self-reflection. A feeling that you are disconnected from everyone, questioning what life is all really about or a need to dig deeper and to have meaningful conversations. If you've reached a point where you find yourself at a time of your life where you have very few close friends, this can often be because it is said the universe is isolating you in order for you to think for yourself and work towards something that is your purpose or destined for you. It is said that the alone time teaches us to rely upon and think for ourselves. What happens is then you start to attract friends who are on the same wavelength as you, or, you know, the same frequency as long as you let them in. So I'm conscious of making you aware this has weaved myself into my craft. I don't often step into spirituality and so on. I love a lot of the spiritual light workers, but for me, the one thing I love about witchcraft, and this is my personal opinion, is that it's much more focused on good and bad, light and dark, where I feel with some spirituality I see out there, it can pump the whole be happy no matter what's happening, don't have any dark thoughts because you might manifest that and so on. And some of that just comes across to me as false toxicity and just too hard to keep up with. So 
in my mind, I'm like, do a gratitude list, but also I acknowledge when something is going shite. There is good and bad in everything. It's like nature and the whole lesson for me within the craft. So one of the things I read in regards to healing and shadow work that really resounded with me is that if you heal the trauma within your lifetime, it can affect the next seven generations within your lineage. So for me alone, just hoping that I've healed things for my daughter, let alone if I have grandchildren and so on, is more than enough for me to want to do better for her. And aside from this, if you don't have children, it is also shown to affect people close to you anyway. Unresolved trauma or events can show up in the strangest ways. It can make us seek romantic partners to repair our parental relationships. We engage in fixing or saving, even if all the red flags are there, because to us, red flags feel like home. So instead of us uncovering the trauma, we can relive it in new experiences we create, try to minimize it by ignoring the impact staying in unhealthy relationships with the people who cause the trauma, try to cover it up with addiction, people-pleasing, codependency and self-betrayal. Friendships and romantic relationships are often trauma bonds. Becoming triggered and reacting in a way that makes you feel ashamed or disappointed in yourself. Feeling stuck and not in control of a life that we wish to create. Associating with other traumatized people and talking about our issues without ever actually effectively tackling them, refusing to do the inner work to get better, and also denying our need for outside help. So this is a quote from Marion Williamson's book, The Shadow Effect, that explains the power of your shadow. The shadow is your own thinking turned in the wrong direction. It is your self-hatred masquerading as self-love. Your shadow is as intelligent as you are because it is your own intelligence co-opted for fear's purposes. It has all the attributes of life because it has attached itself to your life. And like all life, it seeks to preserve itself. When it comes to doing the shadow work, trauma isn't something you can just let go of. The pain is often held in our bodies, not just our minds, and healing can feel like a battle. Don't be hard on yourself if it feels like that. It's normal for our body and nervous system to adapt to trauma. Notice what makes you feel fatigued, anxious, fearful, or reactive, as these all show us where we need love and attention. You can heal these pains, it just takes the work and time. So allowing yourself to feel rage, grief, fear, shame, any emotion that comes up that has been trapped within you is incredibly brave and exhausting and often thankless. I had several times where I'd work on shadow work, cry for ages, then go to sleep feeling terrible, but saying that it's always darkest before the dawn that is so true because in the morning I would feel like I could breathe like a huge heaviness would be released I recommend tracking your dreams whilst you go through this process also to see what your subconscious is trying to tell you so I jotted mine down into my book of shadows and had lots of interesting messages The most important dream I had during the shadow work process was of a big dark moth flying against light bulbs. 
So the moth in dreams is said to represent metamorphosis, but unlike the butterfly, this transformation is connected to the darker parts of the dreamer. So its nocturnal nature is said to highlight the shadow, the uncharted parts of the psyche, and that you are flowing out of the darkness into the light. My mind was blown at having this dream. It is valuable to analyze and understand your dreams as much as you can. If you take on the shadow work, allow yourself to rest and sleep a lot and jot down as much as you can that's coming up for you internally. The healing process is ugly as hell and it can be triggering and intense, not fluffy. Processing trauma often means you have to relive it, which isn't easy, but it is worth it. So a quote I came across on Instagram on at Delida Poetry was, to heal is to feel, to feel is to be vulnerable, to be vulnerable takes courage, taking courage breaks cycles, breaking cycles heals. And one of my friends, Jade, recently posted a snippet from the first spirituality type book I ever read. So I was given this book by an older witchy friend of mine, along with my first set of tarot cards on my 21st birthday. And the book is Women Who Run With The Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. This is one of the most amazing books I have ever read. It has always stuck with me. But this particular entry is so poignant for how things trickle out that are not tackled. There is no way to fool the wild woman, however. She is aware of the dark bundles in a woman's mind that are tied round and round with ropes and bands. These spaces in a woman's mind do not respond to light or grace, so covered over are they. And of course, since the psyche is greatly compensatory, the secret will find its way out anyway. If not in actual words, then in the form of a sudden melancholia's intermittent and mysterious rages, all sorts of physical tics, talks and pains, dangling conversations that end suddenly and without explanation and sudden odd reactions to movies, films and even television commercials. The secret always finds its way out, if not in direct words, then somatically and most often not in a way that can be dealt with and helped in a straightforward manner. So what does the woman do when she finds the secret leaking out? She runs after it with great expenditure of energy. She beats bundles and burrows it back down into the dead zone again and builds larger defences. She calls her homunculi the inner guardians and ego defenders to build more doors, more walls. The woman leans against her latest psychic tomb, sweating blood and breathing like a locomotive. A woman who carries a secret is an exhausted woman. So carrying out healing shadow work involves exploring your past conditioning and beliefs about yourself, relationships in the world around you, making friends with part of you that you have denied or repressed, learning that not every thought you have is true and practicing self-compassion and forgiveness. You may find that situations keep coming up that you thought you had cleared, but they arise again for more awareness. 
Healing is done in layers. You have to go through the same emotional experiences until the energetic charge is exhausted and there is nothing to trigger you. If you find that you are healing abandonment wounds, this is one area that I tackled. I firstly acknowledged my shadow and wrote exactly what her what had been done to me. And by doing this, I was no longer avoiding them. And by writing them down, I brought them out into the light and started to take their power away and release them. This then brings you to working with your inner child, the emotional little you that has been abandoned. It might be that your inner child never got the love and support they needed and you can give it to them. So I am by no means a counsellor. I'm sure I won't ever be one, but this is a process that they often preach. So I can only go on what came up for me. Two of my traumas occurred at around the age of 12 and 14. So I had to go back and make peace with 12-year-old me first. I didn't really like her at first, to be honest, because I felt angry with her for putting me into certain situations. But as you do the work, you will find that, you know, hopefully you will really start to love them and realize that they are just too young and naive to know what they were doing. They didn't mean any of it to happen. I actually really love her now. And through doing that, I've healed her. Think about it a bit like on a ghost film when you have to let the ghost move into the light and move on to wherever they move on to. I would like to think Summerland. So it's a bit like an exorcism, some of the shadow work, or that's how it felt to me, having to delve into some of those demonic forces and exercise that shadow. It never truly disappears. Obviously, it's like a lifelong work to heal and keep on top of mental health. But I feel like I can not only acknowledge 12-year-old me, but also feel very protective of her too. And when I felt like I had exhausted my list of hurts and trauma, I carried out a little speech to 12-year-old me that I found online and it went a little something like this. And you may wish to adapt it accordingly if it is something you choose to use. To my younger self, I'm sorry you went through that. I'm sorry you made choices that hurt you. I'm sorry that you believed you were unworthy. I want you to know that you made the choices you did with the feelings and limited response that you had at the time. You did your best with what you knew. Don't worry, I am taking over now. A new chapter has begun. I promise you that I will look after us. We're in this together. That made my inner child feel so secure. And what I find now is she's not constantly trying to get my attention in destructive ways. So in the past, that could have been through drugs or alcohol or binge eating, overspending or looking for terribly unsuitable partners. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. ...who had their own issues. Let's be honest, most of us have advice that we turn to or have turned to in the past when we feel terrible and want to self-destruct. And it varies from person to person. It is surprising how certain vices or habits can start to diminish once you tackle these feelings. It's also good to look at what hurts when you feel emotional pain. For example, I always feel a knot in my stomach and that would urge me to want to drink alcohol or binge eat. See if you can find any associations with your behavior and where the feeling is. When you are doing the inner child work, you need to give yourself permission to feel again. So emotions in relation to that trauma, become aware of those feelings, emotions and thoughts, because if you can feel it, you can heal it. Pay attention to patterns in your life that may demonstrate how this has shown up and hurt you. So are you attracting unavailable partners? Are you abandoning yourself? Attracting similar types of partners is a sign of an unhealed wound within you. For example, if you had emotionally unavailable or abusive parents as a child, you may choose partners with narcissistic traits. An aspect of you is likely to see itself as a victim or unworthy of real love. When you are addicted to being in toxic relationships, you become desensitized to a lot of hurt, but you can use these toxic relationships as a guide to where you need to heal. Because unless you become aware of how your shadow plays out, you can become stuck in a loop of suffering. The trauma brain can also show up through obsessive desire to be chosen by new partners, without any awareness of how you and your body feels about the connection with them. Chronic social anxiety about how new people will perceive you. Needing consistent distraction from the present, be it through either substance abuse, social media scrolling, love, sex, or chronic daydreaming. Lack of self-trust leading to procrastination or self-sabotage, shame cycles and ego stories of self-judgment and comparison. So being courageous enough to work on your shadow issues can involve admitting that you aren't okay, beginning to see a counsellor, facing your trauma head on, setting boundaries, knowing it may even lead to the ending of a relationship finding role models outside of your family, starting out again after leaving a toxic relationship. It might show up in different ways depending on your shadow and where you want to be. So ways that trauma releases itself from the body can be sobbing, anger, setting boundaries, telling your story, unburdening and caring for your inner child, primal screams. It can show up in many ways. I sobbed a lot. I had some really ugly crying in the bath. It felt so cathartic. I didn't even know what some of it was for at the time. I was stuck in it, but it felt so good the following days and moving forward. Trauma involves a loss of power and control. One of the most important parts of trauma recovery is taking back control of your story, which includes when it is shared, who to, and how it is shared. 
as a result of trauma, you've made, like, you may have grown up too soon. You may have kept secrets, pushed people away, be mature for your age, learned how to sense danger, not trusted people, engaged in self-destructive behavior, learned to pretend you were okay when you weren't, and also not address your feelings as you were too busy trying to focus on surviving. It was trauma, even if others tell you it wasn't. It felt like trauma, but sometimes you doubt it was that bad. It seemed traumatic at the time, but you now wonder if you made it up. For me, I never acknowledged sexual abuse until I shared my story with someone else and they were upset about it and could see how wrong it was. So I had spent close to 25 years thinking it was something tiny and downplaying it because I'd never discussed it with anybody. Yet it was one of the events that affected every single relation I had, like every single relationship I had and my behavior. Sometimes we downplay an event, but when you unpack it, you can be surprised at how much it may have affected your whole life because you have dismissed it. So truths about shadow work and healing are that it will be painful and overwhelming before it feels like freedom and empowerment. At this point, I need to say I'm one of those people that doesn't like to make a huge fuss about anything, which can also be incredibly toxic. So I spend a lot of my life avoiding going back over things that have happened, thinking it's a waste of time to think over it again as what's done is done. But that mentality clearly hasn't worked for me. I pretty much had that stiff upper lip, have a cup of tea, get on with it. I still do in regards to a lot of things as I do like to get on with it. But I realized that with certain traumas, that's never going to get me very far. And in certain areas of your life, it won't. Like you have to give yourself the time and compassion you need to heal it. So moving forward, you can look at how you can heal trauma bonds in the long term through different ways. So you might want to consider self-protection through boundary setting, as a which you might want to look into cord cutting, binding or protection spells to help you with this too. I actually worked on a protection spell to remove and keep someone away from me and my family and from causing us further harm through some of the shadow work I did. I will do an episode shortly on protection spells that you can bring into your craft that should help. Secondly, learn to self-soothe. This is so important and a complete game changer for me. I found if I was in a position I needed to self-soothe, I would put my headphones on, take myself off to my bed, listen to music that really resounded with how I was feeling so I could cry and have no judgment from anyone. Just a side note, I don't want to put across that I have this leafy life where I can afford to have a moment at the drop of a hat because I know that's not practical for most of us. You know, I was trying to function and have a normal life and work around doing the shadow work. I didn't have this huge abyss of time to just cry and have lots of baths. But if you do, that is great. So 
on that note, yeah, I took a lot of baths. I mean, a lot. I would sit in the bath and cry in the evening, which makes my social life sound absolutely awful. But it was part of the process and it really helped. And obviously, water is linked to our emotions. It's incredibly cleansing, really powerful. So the third point, journaling, is one of the most important parts of my daily ritual. It is something I've always carried out since a teen. Daily journaling identifies so much. I recommend doing the morning pages, which are outlined in Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. So I started this process earlier this year in a bid to get more creative. But what I found with the morning pages is that it helped me with my mental health. I'm scared now not to do it every day as it is such a powerful process for me. I feel like if I didn't do it, the wheels would fall off my day. In the book, Julia Cameron, she advises that you write three pages on anything you like, all those whiny grumbles, nagging little issues you have, just keep writing. What ultimately happens is that you feel better for getting it out and it helps you to move on with your day and problem solve. I also found that I end up counselling myself through writing about these things. If you have people in your life that you feel can and will support you with this process, of course, it is definitely worth reaching out to them. Also, lowering your tolerance for chaos in relationships and friendships. I found I cut a lot of people out of my life and became very careful of whose energy I have around me now. Being aware of any inherited beliefs you have around love and relationships and working on what you actually believe to be true. So detaching others' emotional limitations and actions from being about your own self-worth. Spending time getting to know yourself and what you want, need, what your own red flags are and your own limitations. Also, moving slowly if you start any new relationships and being really aware of red flags. I think the best way I can direct you in regards to the journal work would be to firstly outline every trauma or event that you found you've never been able to speak about or difficult to speak about. What makes you feel sick or discomfort? Obviously, if you feel ready to do this work, this is one of the most important phases and the exercise that released the most for me. You might want to progress with this through further journaling points. As we all have different events that lead to our shadow work, you might want to check out Pinterest, search under shadow work and journaling because you will find some fantastic points on there to start with. So this little list may also help you to identify what your inner child wound might be. So an abandonment wound some feelings that you might regularly experience are feeling left out, you fear being left, hate being alone, you're codependent, you threaten to leave, you normally attract emotionally unavailable people. So a guilt wound looks like you may feel sorry or bad a lot, you don't like to ask for things, you use guilt to manipulate, you're afraid to set boundaries, and you normally attract people who make you feel guilty. 
A trust wound is where you're afraid to be hurt. You don't trust yourself. You find ways not to trust people. You feel insecure and need lots of external validation. You don't feel safe. And you normally attract people who don't feel safe. And the neglect wound, you struggle to let things go. You have low self-worth, get angry easily, struggle to say no, repress emotions, fear being vulnerable. And you normally attract people who don't appreciate you or make you feel seen. You may, of course, have more than one trust wound, but if you feel that one of those trust wounds resounds with you more, it may be one of the areas to tackle first. So if you love working with your tarot cards, then you might want to work on some shadow work tarot lays. I did one of these and I'll post a couple on Instagram and Facebook that were really good and helped me understand a lot. I've also put intentions on two of my crystals to use and carry with me whilst I'm doing this shadow work. So I've got a smoky quartz that I already had to help with addiction and also my rose quartz for self-love. So just an example, I spent a lot of time thinking that my heart was really broken, but I couldn't really understand it because my ex was a bit of a prat, if I'm really honest. (laughs) And really, I attached most of my abandonment trauma to this relationship. So I was upset over the breakup, even though I'd wanted it for a while, but I'd also attached all of my old wounds to it. So I'm not trying to give you like the whole lowdown on my terrible former love life, but I'm just giving you an example that it had become a monster. Like it wasn't just about the separation. Your shadow self really likes to trick you and distort what it is all about. So since doing the shadow work, I realized how little of how I was feeling was over my ex-partner and was more about me and incredibly old, stagnant feelings and beliefs. And that was really liberating. That shifted so much for me. There's so many things I can finally let go of. And I do feel like some of my life is beginning again, but better than it ever was before. This resounds heavily with me to a quote by Carl Jung. So he says, whatever is rejected, or he said, what is rejected from the self appears in the world as an event. So one of the main reasons it is worth tackling shadow work is you can kind of be in your power, able to successfully use your energy to cast and bring in that which you want, rather than being stuck in the quagmire of old disempowering events and beliefs that you can't shake. It is so hard to bring in the new if the old energy is taking up so much space. If you work with deities, you might find this is a really important time to ask for their support. I got to the point where I was banging my head against the wall, asking my deities to help me stop grieving over an old relationship. And they are there banging their head against the wall because I couldn't realize that it wasn't about the relationship and more about all these old issues repeating themselves for the hundredth time. So I now thank them obviously for bringing me out to the other side. And this period of healing has brought me to my altar in daily devotion, like lighting the incense, lighting tea lights, asking them to help support me work through 
my shadow, but also thanking them for getting me to such a good point. Good deities to work with in regards to shadow work are often dark goddesses. You might wish to work with Hecate, especially for her to shed light on that which you need to change and to assist you with transitions. Lilith, especially in regards to any sexual shadows you might have. I needed the Morrigan to help me for some dramatic changes and to get out of the rut I felt stuck in as a result of my behaviour relating to my own self-sabotage. So you might want to use some crystals whilst you're going through this period of shadow work. Like I said, I used rose quartz for soothing self-love energy and I'm carrying it around with me obsessively. But other good crystals to use are labradorite, which is great for shadow work. You can use selenite for aura cleansing, fluorite for self-confidence, amethyst. I know most of us have got some amethyst for stress relief and sodalite for serenity. Herbs you might want to use are obviously sage for clearing, lavender for stress release, chamomile for relaxation, rosemary for healing, protection and cleansing. You could use lemongrass for uplifting you, eucalyptus for strength, cinnamon for love and myrrh for peace. And shadow work will not lower your vibration. In fact, after performing your shadow work, your vibration will actually shoot up higher or it should shoot up higher than before. It is not a dark or evil practice. It is just the opposite because by acknowledging these hidden things, you can begin to live your authentic self, your authentic life. I felt really tired, but really high on life after the work I did. I still feel like that now. I'm still unpicking and unraveling things. And I probably will for a really long time. You know, it's like life's work, really. I can't believe how I feel because I've never felt this empowered after just uncovering some of those secrets locked away that I'd never touched. You might want to perform a ritual using your list of hurts and trauma. You might feel better getting rid of it. You might wish to burn it. You might want to say some words over it to honour all that you've been through and to reassure you and your inner child that you've got this, like you'll take this from here, how much you care and love your inner child, how you're going to look after them. And this is a really good ritual for perhaps the next full moon or perhaps once you reach a point in your shadow work where you're starting to come out of the darkness and feel lighter and a release. But just remember your shadow self is just a little kid version of you. It wants to be loved, acknowledged and at peace. And as you work with your shadow side, bear this in mind and love yourself through the process. You might feel that right now is not the time for you to broach your shadow work. And I completely understand that because it is no mean feat to take on. And only you know when you are ready and when you have the time to do it in your life. But Whenever you are ready, obviously this episode is here for you. If you feel that the work will be or becomes overwhelming, you might want to consider setting up a counsellor session or seeing a medical practitioner or a healer of some form. Asking for help is one of the most powerful actions you can take. You deserve to heal and feel empowered. Autumn and winter are often the perfect time to commence shadow work as the year wanes the nights grow longer. However, with the pandemic, many of us have found ourselves tackling it now, 
due to so much time on our hands. Just to finish up, I will leave this quote for you by Jennifer Diamond, as I think it says it all. If darkness is the absence of love, then the most effective tonic to use in healing internal shadow is self-love. The more love we flow into our deepest wounds and darkest emotions, the quicker we are able to clear and raise our vibration. So just a little update in regards to the Literary Witches Coven, which starts out in September. If you want to vote in regards to the book choice, we have rolled this out on Instagram and Facebook and also via the newsletter. So if you're not signed up on those, you need to. It will definitely help. So you can either come over to www.thewhitewitchcompany.co.uk and sign up for updates. You'll also get the newsletter and any other information that comes out in regards to the podcast and the book club and all the other bits. If you want to come over to Facebook, it is The White Witch Company and Instagram is at The White Witch Company. You can even drop me a DM on there just to let me know which is your book choice. So the two books that we have are Intuitive Witchcraft by Australia Taylor and Of Blood and Bones by Kate Frula. So we had an Instagram poll. There is a post on Instagram. There's also a post on Facebook that you can comment on and choose your favorite book. You can also drop me an email on carly at thewhitewitchcompany.co.uk and we will actually be rolling out details at the book club, how it will all work, how you can get involved, what the chosen book was or is rather week commencing 10th of August. So sort of middle of that week, everything will come out to you. Other than that, thank you so much for all your emails, your lovely messages. I love hearing from you all. So don't be a stranger. Drop me an email. And obviously want to hear any book requests that you have, anything that you want to see on the show, get in touch. Also for your reviews, I'm absolutely blown away at how many people are listening. It's crazy. So thank you so much. If you've left me a review already, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't and you're happy to, I'd be really grateful. It just means that more people can find the show. Other than that, have a great week, witches. Catch up with you soon. Lots of witchy love. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.